we've talked a lot about national security whistleblowers this season. The average whistleblower is somebody in the middle of his or her career who sees evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, illegality, or threats to the public health or public safety. Those whistleblowers usually have five to 15 years or so in their agencies, and they're concerned about upholding their oath to the Constitution. It's unusual when a senior officer, a very senior officer, blows the whistle and jeopardizes his career. But that's exactly what our next guest did. And the United States is a better place because of his actions. I'm John Kiriakou, and you're watching The Whistleblowers. William Bill Binney was the fourth ranking officer in the National Security Agency, or NSA, at the time of the September 11th attacks. As the agency's technical director, he was one of the most highly cleared officers in the entire organization. After the September 11th attacks, the NSA and other national security agencies were scrambling to recover, and at the same time to make the U.S. a safer place. But some of the more cynical leaders at NSA also saw an opportunity. They saw an opportunity to do something in the name of national security that had heretofore been denied to them. It was against the law, and indeed, it was against NSA's own charter to spy on American citizens or U.S. persons, those people in the United States on a green card. NSA's director at the time, General Michael Hayden, decided to act immediately, knowing that his actions were in violation of the law. He likely believed that it was better to act now and ask forgiveness later. He enacted a program allowing NSA to spy on literally every American. It was a game-changing decision, patently illegal and extraordinarily expensive. Our next guest and several of his colleagues decided to make a complaint to the Department of Defense Inspector General, alleging that NSA was wasting millions and millions of dollars on Trailblazer, a system intended to analyze mass collection of data carried on communications networks such as the Internet. Bill Binney had been one of the inventors of an alternative system called ThinThread, which was shelved when the more expensive and more intrusive Trailblazer was chosen. Binney was publicly critical of NSA spying on American citizens after September 11th, saying that Trailblazer, quote, was better than anything that the KGB, the Stasi, or the Gestapo and SS ever had, unquote. He added that NSA, with all of its advanced technology, had failed to uncover the 9-11 plot. And he said NSA had collected but had not analyzed information that would have garnered timely attention with the leaner and more focused thin thread. We're happy to have Bill Binney with us today. Welcome to the show, Bill. Bill, you were a very senior NSA officer when the September 11th attacks occurred. As technical director, you were intimately involved in the creation of ThinThread, which was an effective and cost-effective technology designed to keep Americans safe and to disrupt future terrorist attacks. What happened to ThinThread? Why did NSA's leadership elect to go with Trailblazer? And I don't mean to sound cynical, but was this just because the 9-11 attacks allowed them an opportunity to do whatever it was that they wanted, the law be damned? Uh, yes. In fact, there was evidence that they wanted to do bulk acquisition of data on every U.S. citizen, everybody in the world, <clears throat> even before 9-11. Because they went to, to uh, uh, Joe Nazio, who was the uh, CEO of Quest Corporation, and they, they asked him, this was in February, this is in the court records, by the way, this was in February of 2001, about six, seven months before. 
and uh, 9-11, before 9-11, and they were asking him for all the data on all his customers. That meant, you know, millions of U.S. citizens as well as anybody else in the world using their system. So uh, that, that clearly showed the intent to do that. And the reason they did that is because our thin thread program was working front end all the way to the back end into the whole system and functioning extremely well uh, and could take in. And I, it was no, there was no mathematical limit as to how much we could take in. I mean, this was a design that, that I helped put together and it was my team that did it. And we designed it to take in any amount of data and handle any indexing of anything and at any scale. And, you know, they had claimed it wouldn't scale, but they knew damn well it would because that's what they used after 9-11 to spy on everybody in the planet. That's what they're still using. They're still, those programs are still in the stuff that was compromised by uh, Snowden when he put it out. So I knew what these programs were. I knew exactly how they worked, and I knew their capabilities. They, there is no limit to it. I mean, you could put in hundreds of billions of trillions of transactions. It doesn't matter. I mean, it just doesn't matter. And it's terrible because I saw this as a totalitarian state move. And I said that right from the beginning internally in the government until they started to go after me. They did exactly to us back in 2007 what they did to Trump at Mar-a-Lago. You know, they sent people with guns at us and they sent, you know, they, they fabricated evidence to get an affidavit and the judges don't know anything. All they had to do was take, they have to assume they're being told the truth and they're being lied to. Bill, you had an absolutely horrible whistleblower experience. Let's start at the beginning. You did exactly as you were always told to do. You went through the chain of command. When you didn't get any satisfaction there, you went to the Pentagon's inspector general. Soon after, the FBI raided your house and pulled you naked out of the shower to arrest you. Tell us about that awful experience. Well, you know, the, uh, the uh, first of all, <clears throat> they, uh, I went through the... Um, the uh, just the uh, inspector general of the Department of Defense, as you're instructed to, this is by by regulation, the U.S. government regulation. You're required to report fraud, waste, abuse, and criminality to the inspector general of the Department of Defense. If you're in the Department of Defense, other departments have other inspector generals, and you're supposed to go through that channel. That's what we did, and and we also went to the House Intelligence Committee, the staffer there, Diane Bork, that I knew uh, because I briefed her any number of times in in the NSA. Uh, and I went through her to report the, the unconstitutional, unconstitutional violations of, of the uh, NSA in violating the privacy rights of all U.S. citizens as well as everybody else in the world. So, I mean, they switched from doing, from doing uh, spying on groups of people who are like militaries and uh, uh, smuggling, drug smuggling groups or uh, you know, terrorist groups, things like that. They went from doing that to spying on individuals, everybody on the planet. So when they did that, I mean, you knew right away there were only two reasons for it. Number one, to do it would have cost a lot of money, which we, we've all paid for that, about $10 billion a year for the last 20 years. You know, you count it up. And, and, uh, and that's, that, that then would be uh, building an empire. That's what Hayden liked. He liked to build an empire and have a big budget. But then under Cheney, that would give him evidence of everybody that's an, opposing him. He would have evidence that he could interrogate and retroactively analyze and, and actively watch uh, as current events are proceeding to see what people were thinking, planning, or what they were, they were intending to do. That's, that's the power it gave him at that point. So those are the two basic reasons they would do that. 
My argument from the beginning was that that was an ineffective way if you really wanted to do what intelligence is supposed to do, which is predict, project or predict intentions and capabilities of adversaries or threats. So in advance, so you can actually do something to stop them and prevent them. That's what intelligence is supposed to do. What they've done by doing this bulk acquisition means they, there's too much data, they can't see the threat coming, and they can't get through it to find in time to find the threat. So what they have to do is revert back to a policing thing, which is forensics, after the fact. Here's the attack. Who did it? Well, okay, we can find out. Then we can go through all this data and find out everybody in the past that they've ever been associated for any number of decades. You know, and you could reconstruct their entire network out of that. But that's a police job. That's not an intelligence job. And by that meant it made them all dysfunctional. They couldn't find the plots coming and the threats coming. And that's worldwide. That's not just us. It's everybody. They're all going this way. You were never charged with any crime. Certainly, you didn't commit any crime. You did exactly what a whistleblower is supposed to do. But your personal property was seized and held. You had to file a lawsuit years later to get it back. I know that in the case of Tom Drake, who's been on this show, he never got his property back, including every photograph ever taken of his five children. You, Kirk Wiebe, and others had to hire attorneys at great personal expense. What were you accused of having done wrong? And what was the eventual outcome? Actually, uh, when we got it, was, it was called a 41G lawsuit, return of property after they seize it. Uh, they are required by law, and they violated this law, by the way. They're required by law to inform us six months after they seize our property what, what property they're going to keep and what they're going to return. They never did that. So we sued them like five years later. So, in violation of that law. Uh, but and then we went to court, and we were ready to deal with any challenge they had coming forward, because we knew more about this whole thing than they had a representative from NSA there and the Department of Justice lawyer there that was representing the government. And uh, it was we did it pro se, by the way, by ourselves. That was Tom Drake, Kirk Wiebe, Ed Lewis, and myself. We went in and, and represented ourselves in court and made mincemeat of the government they were just absolute violation of the law. And the only thing they could claim at the end, and the judge had to throw them a bone because she, she needed to save face for the government, was they had to say, claim that we had some other, go other government agency sensitive material. Well, I mean, that gov other government agency never came into court to testify to that. And we had no, they wouldn't tell us what it was so we could defend it. So we had no due process in actually that issue. But that was the one that saved the government's face. Okay, that's how to justify their raid on us, basically. So, uh, uh, but that turned out to be, and we found out later, the Department of Justice guy finally confessed to what it was. He said it was a, uh, it was a paper for Customs and Border Protection. Well, we did that as an unclassified contract for Customs and Border Protection, analyzing, go through their analysis process and make recommendations, which we did. And that was our documentation of completing the contract. Uh, but it was just a whole, it was a whole lie. The judge didn't know anything different. I mean, they don't know anything in this business. And so they, they just take whatever the government says as, as truth. And it's an outright lie almost every time. Like with Trump, they were lying all the time. Look at what they did with him with that, that dossier and so on, the lies there. And they supported those lies. And look at those 51 senior um, uh, intelligence agency uh, executives that were retired. They came out saying that all this is different, this business about... Uh, you know, uh, any of the uh, computer materials, disinformation, Russian disinformation, that was just an outright lie. And they all knew that, okay? So they're all part of this cabal to lie 
to manipulate the courts and manipulate the population of the country. So you really can't trust anything that any of them say because they speak, as we used to say in the country, in pork tongue, you know, lies. You did something else that all national security whistleblowers are encouraged to do. You went to the Congressional Oversight Committee with your evidence of wrongdoing, but the House Intelligence Committee employee you were working with also had her house raided by the FBI. Was the whole point to silence you? Was it to keep the story of the waste of taxpayer money and the attack on American civil liberties from the public? Yeah, that's what it was, to keep us quiet. And that's, I knew that. That's why when they raided me, I knew what the, why they were doing it. And I was really getting mad at them. So when they told me, I had to tell them something. This was, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'll, I'll remember the agent's name, senior agent in charge, Paul Marek. He was the guy who told me, uh, you know, tell me something that uh, would implicate someone in a crime. Well, he was after Tom Drake and Diane Rourke. Those are the two people that NSA didn't like uh, the most anyway. <laughs> and so uh, I said, well, I couldn't think of anything that was a crime that they'd committed. And he said, well, I think you're lying to me. So I said, okay, here's the lie I know about. George Bush, Dick Cheney, Hayden, and Tennant all conspired to subvert the Constitution of the United States and here's how they did it with a program called Stellar Wind. And I went through the entire process of collection of data on U.S. citizens and compiling it inside NSA and, and setting it out there for people to analyze and look at. And the only thing this guy could do when I was doing it, because all these other agents weren't cleared for that program. He was, okay? But the others weren't. So when I was doing that, the only thing he could do was look at the floor because I'm reporting a crime. Now, when you do that, the FBI is supposed to investigate. Did they do that? No, because they're a part of the crime. And the reason that Diane Rourke didn't get any, anywhere was because Nancy Pelosi and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Porter Goss were the, the head chair and ranking members of the House Intelligence Committee at the time, and both of them agreed to those programs, as well as the CIA programs, in, in uh, early November of 2001, long before she came in to report it to them. So they had already agreed. And that's why Nancy Pelosi, when she was uh, Speaker of the House, said that the impeaching George Bush is off the table. Why? Because she was already a part of the crimes. And George would say, okay, you're a part of it too. You have to be impeached yourself, you know? So that's why she kept all impeachment possibilities off the floor of the Senate or the House. Because the House had to impeach first, and then the Senate would try. So that's why she did that. You're watching The Whistleblowers. We're going to take a short break and return to our conversation with famed NSA whistleblower, Bill Binney. Stay tuned. Sanchez, and I'm here to plead with you, whatever you do, do not watch my new show. Seriously, why watch something that's so different? Why listen to opinions that you won't get anywhere else? Look, if it pleases you to have the State Department, the CIA, weapons makers, multi-billion dollar corporations choose your facts for you, go ahead. Why change? And whatever you do, don't watch my show. Stay mainstream, because I'm probably going to make you uncomfortable. My show is called Direct Impact. But again, you probably don't want to watch it, because it might just change the way you think.
Children at St. Anne's Residential School suffered nightmarish levels of abuse, torture and child rape, and yet the Office of the Attorney General suppressed thousands of pages of police evidence that identified those perpetrators. In the school, I was electrocuted twice. I was only seven years old. It was too high for me, so somebody put me in the chair. Father Lavoie used to run over here after he abused somebody and run here and seek absolution and whip himself. Some of them are my relatives didn't make it, drinking themselves to death, overdoses. But you know what it made me? It made me um, the person I am today because I'm a fighter. I don't give up with anything. Investigations were too often handled differently because the deceased was indigenous. So many of the worst criminals got away. The bishops got away. Uh, the ones who'd done most of the damage never got charged. Welcome back to The Whistleblowers. I'm John Kiriakou. We're speaking with former NSA Technical Director Bill Binney about his experience blowing the whistle on waste, fraud, and abuse at the National Security Agency. Bill, a part of the fallout from your revelations was that even though you had done nothing wrong, nothing illegal, all within the confines of the law and of normal NSA procedure, you were stripped of your security clearance. Did you ever get it back? Was there ever any admission of wrongdoing on the part of NSA? Well, I mean, uh, as long as you're perpetuating a lie, you have to stick with it. In other words, if they ever admit they're lying, then the, that the, their whole house of cards falls, and it falls in a major way. So they have to stick with the lie they started, and they, they have to keep it going. But I'm, I'm here to say that all the basic evidence says it's an outright lie. This was downloaded uh, internally and locally in the, in, in the DNC, and all this stuff that they were accusing uh, others of doing is false. The predicate for going after Flynn and Stone was false, and, and that's why they wouldn't let me testify to it. So, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I, I really, uh, unless we start wising up here and people start getting active to do things and fire these idiots, get rid of them, send people in who will actually do something, who have some respect for a constitution, rights of individuals and humanity. If we don't have that, then, you know, we're doomed. I, I've been calling us the, uh, first of all, we've got a department of just us, and we the people are not part of it. And, you know, we are the largest, most populous, newest banana republic in the world. And unfortunately, that's the way it is. Look at what's coming out. They're getting so so arrogant about it. They're brazen about it because it's, uh, they now have so much power, they don't care what anybody thinks. They're going to say, what can you do about it, you know? But you can see that they're afraid of us because they trumped up this crap on on 6 January, and are using that to try to try to keep everybody under under uh, also also try to get martial law started. Basically, that's what they're doing. They allowed that to happen so that they could do this. 
that's how you keep power and control over people. You don't want to have to, you don't want the people to realize that they have the real power, that they want to do something about it. But first of all, they have to recognize it and say, gee, I got the power and I can do it. And, and get up and do something, for God's sake. You're frequently in the news talking about the technical side of elections and related issues. Many of us have taken heat, as you have, for demanding to see evidence of election interference. For example, Russiagate was arguably the biggest story of the last 10 years. And in the end, the Mueller report offered no proof that there was any Russian interference in the 2016 election or again in 2020. Are these accusations, which seem to be constant now, just something we're going to have to live with? Or is it possible to successfully demand evidence of accusations? I, for one, am loath to just take the CIA's or NSA's word for it when they make accusations of election interference. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. It's the, uh, the FBI, Department, the Drug Enforcement Administration, um, and, and other agencies of the government, like the, home, home, the Department of Homeland Security, IRS has access to it. That's how they could go after the Tea Party, you know, because all they did, and that, that's how I, I tipped to this because of uh, two things. One, a report in August of 2013 after the Snowden material came out, Reuters got it and said, here's how, here are the regulations for using NSA data first to uh, uh, arrest people, and then how, what you have to do to do a parallel construction that is construct the same material and then substitute that material for the NSA data in a court of law because you can't introduce the NSA data. It wasn't acquired with a warrant, you know? So they falsify that and they, they perjure themselves in court to put people in jail. They're trying to cover it up with uh, all kinds of ways. I, I even tried to take it into courts in, in, in for example, in the uh, case against uh, uh, Flynn, General Flynn and the case against uh, Roger Stone and, and I had a petition with Julian, uh, John, uh, Elliot Shukart going into the Supreme Court, which was rejected. And they, they wouldn't let me testify in either of the Stone or uh, Flynn cases. So they, they had to keep me out because, you know, I, I was just pointing out the basic facts. You know, they, and they, the evidence was clearly there that the, all this material that WikiLeaks posted was downloaded locally out of the DNC databases. Uh, that was the forensics. There was no, it wasn't a belief or anything. That was just the basic forensics information. It said, yep, there it is. This is the fat file allocation table format that, that, uh, that downloads data to, to thumb drives, CD-ROMs, you know, little, little uh, memory sticks off a mainframe computer. So, you know, and they've been trying to keep us out, out of everything. So, they don't want to hear from me. I've been trying to get into court with them, but I can't get there. Finally, Bill, I wanted to ask you a question that I get all the time. There are so many different communication apps out there, including WhatsApp, Signal, Viber, ProtonMail, Telegram, and Tutanota, among others. Many of us just assume that intelligence services around the world and even tech companies have backdoors into these communications and that many of them are not really safe. Are any better than others? What's the best way to have a private conversation? Uh, actually, the best way is to do it in person with no electronic devices in hand. <laughs> That's the safest. Uh, I would say the other way is the, the postal mail, but even that can be, uh, they do a photograph of the outside of it for the addressing, and that gives them the to from, like, like you do on a phone call or an email or anything else, a financial transaction, all that goes right into the... Uh, into the graph building, which is the relationship building of everybody on the planet. 
you know, all that goes into that for retroactive analysis or analysis at any time. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a matter of uh, nothing is safe. Um, I mean, no matter what you do, you can't hide the addressing because it's got to have there. It's got to be there to be able to route it in the world. You know, so in order, if you can't, if you don't have the address to a certain person or a certain machine in the world, you can't send something to it. So, you know, and, and that's how you build relationships over time. The thing about crypt, um, most of it is um, linear thought crypting, and it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not safe in my view because of all the, um, the uh, muscular program. I think is one that what Snowden compromised that dealt with uh, encryption. And the compromising encryption with uh, companies and the and the and the government NSA in particular. Uh, so I, I just don't treat any of them as safe. I don't bother encrypting anything because if, even if even if the encryption is successful, what they can do is they can penetrate your device, go in and download what you've decrypted. So that gives them the basic content of what you've been saying. Uh, you know that 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 uh, that's something that. Uh, for example, um, they, they, they were doing it even to the companies that they were working with. Like, for example, uh, uh, Google and all of them, when they, when they backed up their data after the fact, they, they had a program to uh, tap in and catch the backup, which meant they got everything they had instead of just going in. The prison program was a charade. That was, the, that was the program they put out there for the judges to look at so they didn't know any better and say, here, we're following the law. See, we asked for something that you gave us a warrant for. You know, and here we ask these companies for it. That's how we follow the law. Well, in the background on the on the fiber up, 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 upstream collection process, they were collecting everything going across the fiber. So when when they backed it up, they copied everything they had. So, you know, they were telling the and using it as a charade to show that they were by, they were following the law when they weren't. Right. And they never told the judges this. In fact, that's part of the. Uh, Part of the program is how you use NSA data. You never tell the judges, you never tell the courts, you never put it in affidavits, you never do anything publicly that can be acquired publicly, uh, and you don't even tell your own attorneys that are prosecuting. You just give them the data and say, here's the, here's the, here's the evidence to convict. So, you know, they, they, they made a charade, and, 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 and I would point out also that when uh, uh, Amnesty International versus Clapper was, went to the Supreme Court, that was the case challenging some of this, uh, this, the Solicitor General of the United States lied to the Supreme Court to get the case thrown out. He said, well, if anybody's, anybody in a criminal case, if anybody's was, NSA data was used against them in that court, they would be told. Well, that was a lie. No one has ever been told. So, you know, the whole, the whole thing is corrupt, and those parts that aren't corrupt are being lied to internally by the government itself. So this, I... You know, unless we start getting wising up and doing something, John, you know, this, this country is going down fast. You've been watching The Whistleblowers. I'd like to thank our guest, Bill Binney, and thank you for joining us. I'm John Kiriakou. Join us again next week for another episode of The Whistleblowers. Whistleblowers.